Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen. Uh, so we are starting a new sermon series, Ephesians, and she is right. You should grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the teaching team. Super glad that you're here this morning. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians, uh, we picked this book uh, on purpose uh, because it's, we're going to be looking at being immersed in a new identity. Uh, so when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gives you a new identity, a new operating uh, system by the power of the Holy Spirit, but also uh, a, a new way of uh, looking at uh, yourself. And we want to walk in that, grow in that. Uh, and so um, by God's grace, uh, this will be a very fruitful sermon series uh, for you and for, for me. Um, <clears throat> the sermon title this morning is Grace and Peace. This comes uh, straight from the first few, few, uh, few verses. Grace and Peace. Uh, by the will of God. And so as you study a book, uh, you should always ask a few questions, who, what, when, where, why. Those are good questions to ask um, as you read any letter or you're talking to anyone. Uh, Context matters. And so uh, when we look at Ephesians, uh, Paul is writing it because it says in the first uh, first word is what? It's Paul, right? So it's not a, a mystery there. Paul wants you to know, hey, I'm writing this. He's writing to the Ephesian church. That's a people, churches in Ephesus, uh, Ephesus, um, and so the, the who and what is, is right there. Uh, the when is AD 62, around that time, Paul is writing uh, to the Ephesians church. And so uh, that's, he planted uh, the Ephesians church in Acts 19. He goes and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see uh, men, women, uh, and children saved from different, uh, really, aspects of life into, as, as uh, Steve uh, just said, just to be in one body, one spirit, uh, in Jesus Christ. So, man, they've, they've come to Jesus and, and, and a church and a group of churches uh, was formed uh, in that missionary journey. Now, what's interesting, we'll come back to it, is Paul is writing uh, to the Ephesian church, Ephesians church, as it says in Ephesians 6.20, an ambassador in chains. And you're like, what does that mean? Well, he's in prison. And so what's amazing is God had willed him to be in prison. Uh, in his suffering, he's still being used uh, to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, God purposes our trials and sufferings, uh, but he's in prison in Rome writing to the Ephesians church. Now, what's interesting is the what. So Paul is writing to the Ephesians church, one that he planted. We're going to go to Acts 19 here in a second. Um, and, and we're going to look at what's the major theme. And so if you know your Bible, uh, when uh, uh, Paul is writing to a lot of the churches that he planted, uh, you have a lot of issues, like a lot of questions, confusions, whether that be about the resurrection of the dead. If you go read Corinthians, they're all kinds of jacked up and doing things they shouldn't be doing. So lots of issues arising in the church, like, hey, you shouldn't do this. You need to do this. Uh, Ephesians is not like that. There's not a major theme of issues or theological questions. And so what's really cool about this, this text and this book, there's a major theme, and it just says it, and uh, like I said in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ. Paul is writing about spiritual formation. He wants to see Christ formed in you 
to, to mature in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's not necessarily an issue that he's addressing besides your spiritual health and growth and maturity issue, uh, which is a really uh, cool text that hopefully we, we grow in. Verse 17 of Ephesians 1, it says this about uh, why he's writing it. It says that the, that, that the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Father, uh, the Father of glory may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and the revelation uh, and the knowledge of him. And so the idea is he wants the Holy Spirit uh, to grow our faculties, our minds, our hearts, our lives in knowledge of who? Jesus. We want to have a, a more glorious, clear vision of who Jesus is and what he did. And by doing that, you will become more like Jesus. Now, there's two major ways that Paul is trying to form us in Christ. Uh, number one, I've already mentioned, is he wants us to see our identity in Jesus Christ. That's where the sermon series title came from. We want to be immersed in our identity in Jesus Christ. He, God says certain things about us in Christ, and he wants us to know it, to walk in it, to treasure it, and really clothe ourselves in our new identity that Jesus Christ provides. So the most fundamental, the two most powerful questions that you can answer is one, uh, what do you think about God? And so we're not going to, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but the second one is who you are. Who you are, who you are matters most in your life. And this, this text will encourage you who you are in Jesus Christ, and it will change your trajectory of how you, how you live. Um, you know, we so often will ask, you know, who you are. There's certain fundamental questions we'll ask is like, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What school did you go to? Uh, you know, these types, because we're trying to define who we are. Uh, another way, if you're wondering who you are, you can follow your money. <laughs> it really determines what you value, uh, and that will show you what your identity is. You can also go onto your social media and see the things that you like, that you don't like, the things that you get in arguments about. It's really helpful to answer the question who you are, because it shows you the trajectory of your life. And he, uh, Paul's hope here is to set more of your identity on what? Jesus Christ, because there's eternal hope there, there's security there, there's unity there, there's clarity there. Uh, in a world of confusion, there's identity crisis we shouldn't have because God's word's clear on who we are in Jesus Christ. I used to be a part of uh, redemption groups, which is kind of these little, little D groups, and basically you're trying to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ identity into someone's life in a very I would say an abrupt way. It's very aggressive, not always my favorite, but uh, when you're training for this, what they'll do is like, hey, just ask someone, you know, their story. I'm like, you want me to ask someone their story? And this was like, like five minutes to get it. I'm like, there's no way someone could give me their life story. Like I'm 38 years old. And if someone asked me to explain my life in five minutes, I'd be like, that'd be really tough. And the reason they did this is as helpful is whatever they say within those five minutes will show you a lot about what? Their identity. Because they're going to say things that have hurt them. They're going to say things that have blessed them. They're going to tell you their worth in the words that they say. So you're right. There's no way that I could totally understand someone's story in five minutes, but you're going to tell me your identity in a few sentences. So take that idea. Now look at your morning. The words that you say show where your heart is and your identity. It says so much in Scripture. Whatever comes out of your mouth proceeds what? From your heart. That's your identity. It's your operating system. So let's take that uh, this past week. If you trace the words out of your mouth for the past day and week, where's your identity? Ask your spouse. 
Ask people close to you because you are telling people all the time your identity about what you're complaining about or hoping in. Now, the hope here is to walk in our newness of identity in Jesus Christ because that's what sets our trajectory. I want to I want to be emboldened with you uh, this morning through the series to just to give us courage. Everyone else can be having an identity crisis. We shouldn't. God speaks clearly, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we should walk in what God says about us. And then the second part of the spiritual formation is purposeful living. If you know who you are, there's confidence to stand in today and, the, and, and you know the trajectory you're going. Like we know who we are, therefore we, we know the trajectory of where we're going. And there's confidence in that. And that's the hope of a spiritual formation uh, that Paul is writing Ephesus about. And that the reason why we're picking, we want to be immersed in this identity. Now, What's interesting is Paul's going to practice this. So we're only going through two verses today. Um, this identity, this immersion in identity. Uh, let's, so let's look at verse one. Paul, all right, he wrote it. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That is, is actually jam-packed with, with truth and meaning. So Paul is saying, this is, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle of who? Christ Jesus. So apostle, he's a messenger of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He, what is he doing? He's speaking his, his position in identity to the Ephesian church before he even starts. He's saying, this is who I am. He's a messenger of who? Of Jesus Christ. So as he speaks, is he speaking on behalf of Paul? No, he's speaking as a messenger of Jesus Christ. And that's his identity. He belongs to Jesus Christ. So he speaks on behalf of not what he thinks, not what the culture's saying, but what Christ says. So this, he's, he's even immersing himself uh, in, in identity in Christ as he, as he opens. If you know your Bible, the story, uh, Saul to Paul, it's a conversion story. It's a new identity. You know, uh, Saul, man, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he says. He's well-schooled in the Old Testament. He was a Jewish tradition uh, holder and lover. He was trained by uh, Gamaliel. Like he knew the Jewish faith. He knew the Bible. He knew, he knew, um, he, tr- he treasured uh, the, uh, the Jewish faith, and he hated the church. Uh, he, it says he breathed out threats against the church. It says that he stood at the stoning of Stephen, and so he, he witnessed murder people uh, that proclaim Christ. He was a zealot w- for, for truth in his own mind, which was against Christ. He went to the high priest in Jerusalem like, hey, there is the way, which is uh, the Christian faith, growing in Damascus. Can I get authority to go down there and take men, women, and kids and bring them into prison because, man, they're, they're, they're heretics going against our Jewish tradition. So that's where he was at. This is Saul. This is his identity. Now, he was on the way down to Damascus in uh, Acts 9. It says a light shone from heaven, just stopped him in his tracks. Uh, and this, so he couldn't see this bright light. Then he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, persecuting me? Um, and that's Jesus as he spoke to me. He, he met King Jesus, the risen Christ, and he couldn't see. He was blind. Uh, the men around him, uh, they heard a voice as well. They led him to Damascus. He, he didn't eat for three days. He didn't drink for three days. He couldn't see. He was praying. Uh, God came to Ananias, a disciple, in, da, in Damascus and gave him a vision. He's like, hey, you need to go to, uh, to, to Saul. I'm going to open his eyes. He's going to belong to me now. I have a new mission for him. And, and, you know, Ananias is like, no, <laughs> he's killing people like me. But he ended up obeying. He went to him, opened his eyes. And in that moment, Saul went to Paul, new identity. 
Man, he was bringing, breathing threats against Christ and his church now to belonging to Christ and his church and planting that church. How did that happen? He met Jesus, and he had an identity transformation. He, he totally um, had a total transformation by encounter with Christ. Acts 9.15 says it this way. It says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. So this is Saul to Paul, this conversion, this new identity. He's a chosen instrument of mine. Look at that, look at that possession and, 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 and uh, relationship language. I mean, Saul was chosen by God. Instrument, like purpose. You know what instruments you use? For tools, to build, to, to do something. Instrument of mine. He belongs to God in Jesus Christ now. To carry my name, no longer not the, not the Jewish faith, not his own priorities, to, for, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And that's personal, purposeful, identity, language, chosen, instrument, purpose. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Everyone loves that verse. It's like, man, I be, I'm chosen. I'm an instrument. God has purpose for my name. Now listen to the next verse. 16 says this, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now everyone's like, I like the first verse, not the second verse. I want to be the chosen and the mind, but I don't know if I want to suffer. And hear, hear me, suffering is part of God's grace to you, and we'll get to that in a moment. Remember, this is Paul writing from prison. So he's experiencing the, the truth of what Jesus said. Like he is in prison <laughs> carrying out exactly what he did, uh, said he would. And so we'll look at all that together. Paul, an apostle, he's a messenger, a bondservant of Jesus Christ to the will of God. He knows his identity, and he's living it out with great confidence and, 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 and security and, and trajectory. Uh, even in prison, you can't sabotage his trajectory towards Christ. You can't sabotage his identity that he belongs to God. This is, this is beautiful. Uh, Paul's saying, man, I'm apostle. I'm a messenger of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Number two, uh, most people just throw away these verses like, oh, let's get to the meat. These are, these are super important for even um, the sermon series, to the saints who are in Ephesus are faithful in Christ Jesus. So this, again, is not throwaway language. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. What does he call them? To the saints who are in Ephesus. Now, right now, a lot of people don't know what that means. Uh, So we grow up in a culture and we think saints, um, kind of the Catholic faith has robbed us of what actually this means. And it's not against the Catholics, it's just, it's just wrong. Um, it, it, um, a lot of people think saints is someone who's better than someone else, that has lived a high moral life to become a saint. You gotta be, uh, I'm gonna use the word, I'm probably gonna butcher it. Um, where is it at? Venerated, I think I said that right, I did the best I could, I studied beforehand, venerated. Um, and what you had to do is live a high moral life, do great work, then you gotta die to become a saint. And then if your legacy grows after you die, then you become, you know, uh, venerated, and then you become canonized. Like, hey, this person, that's a saint. Biblically speaking, I'm not saying those saints weren't really good people. <laughs> I'm sure they're awesome. That's not biblically speaking what it's talking about. Saints, according to the text, is sinners, who's all of us, right? Sinners who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and experienced grace. You become sinner. You become a sinner to a saint simply by faith. So what's so amazing here? Paul is addressing the church saying, you know who you are? You're saints. He didn't say, hey, bunch of sinners in Ephesus, get your act together. What did he say? Man, to the church in Ephesus who are saints, he's speaking what? Identity over them. 
By the grace of God, we are now saints who belong to God. We are, we are, he's speaking life over them. He's speaking identity. He, he's talking about we are righteous in Christ. Like I know you and I, we do know, know perfect people all the time, right? Right, because we're not. But Christ is our perfection. And nothing that we could ever do could ever stain that, could ever mar that. We are righteous in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven in Jesus Christ. We are redeemed in Jesus Christ. Listen, you are set apart by Jesus Christ. You belong to God because of Jesus Christ. You are, be- you are beloved by Jesus Christ. You are chosen in Jesus Christ. Your identity language in this, he wants the Ephesian church to know that you are saints. This is who you are. He wants you to know this morning, if you belong to God in Jesus Christ by faith, what are you? You are righteous, you are redeemed, you are set apart, and you are saints. I'm not saying you always behave like saints, but in Christ, man, we are saints, and he wants us to know that. He wants to be secure in that. So he speaks his own identity, he speaks Ephesus identity over them, and um, this is important. Now, why? Because just as we are, Ephesus is all kinds of jacked up. And what I mean by that, they're people, right, that, that were saved, as we're going to look at in Acts 19, from self-righteous self-helpism, uh, stubborn, uh, you know, not coming to Christism, and then thirdly, they got a lot of witchcraft and a cult. And so their proclivity is to go back to their old identity. He's saying that's not who you are anymore. Yes, we have different sins, but he's speaking life. This is who you are now in Jesus Christ. They need to hear this is who you are, and this is not how you define yourself anymore. So let's go to Acts 19. Uh, This is, again, Acts 19 is the backdrop of the Ephesians church being planted by Paul in a missionary journey. So he's writing to these people that he knows, that he loves, that he spoke the gospel to. Now, what's interesting about Acts 19 is this was... I would say one of the most helpful texts to me uh, as the Door Church started, so we, we were planted about 10 years ago, um, and, and really what God, I believe, wants to do here in our community at, at the Door Church. So it's a blueprint. So this is important. Why? Because you, you're going to identify with one of these categories. You just will. Uh, number two, this is what we're doing. So it's like a coach calling in the teams, like, hey, here's the play. You need to know the play if you're going to live this out well right? There's a purpose in what we're doing here, and you need to know so you play your part well. Uh, And so this is the backdrop of the church being formed by the Spirit of God in Jesus Christ in Acts 19. So the backdrop of of Ephesians. So we're going to pick up in Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. So Paul, his first aim in, in Ephesus, listen, this is our big aim, is to convert the converted. To convert the converted. So the people saying, oh, I'm a Christian, but they're not Christians. Like, we have a huge heart for those people. Know why? Because I was one of them. A lot of people in here are those people. Like, I, I thought I knew, but I didn't know. This is the first people group that he reaches in Ephesus. Listen to what it says. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Listen, there he found some disciples. So verse 1, wh- what does it say? He found who? Disciples. So are they proclaiming to be Christians? Yes or no? Yes, they're saying, I'm a disciple of who? Jesus Christ. So they are professing Christ. They think they're converted. Verse two, and he said to them, uh, he said to them, um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Uh, and, and they said, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Here, 
some people got this question wrong last, last gathering. It says, well, you know, it seems tricky, right? Can you be converted and not born of the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. No, you cannot. When you are converted, it's the Holy Spirit that regenerates your heart and makes you a believer. And so if you're not born of the Holy Spirit, are you a Christian? No, there is no way, right? So they're not even Christians. Now, they're professing Christ, but they're not possessed by Christ. You, you tracking? So th- there's a difference. Now, look what, look what they believed in and why they weren't Christ followers. Verse 3, and he said, he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into what? John's baptism, to John's teaching. Verse 4, and Paul said, John's baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. So what these disciples have believed in is like the baptism of like, I'm sorry. That doesn't help anyone. So John's preaching is like, hey, there's one coming. I don't know who he is. Y'all wicked. Y'all need, y'all need to apologize, repent, right? From turning from sin, but there wasn't to Jesus. So were they saved? No, they weren't because they didn't have faith in Jesus. Jesus saves. So a lot of us in here grew up in church. You hear this message. It's basically self-helpism. Y'all real bad. You, you know your sin. You need to confess your sin, and you need to be better. God is a God of second chances. Clean yourself up. If you do a really good job, then you'll be saved. That is not Christianity. A lot of people claim to be Christians that believe that. That's what's going on here, right? But they didn't have a relationship with, uh, with Jesus Christ. It says on verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a particular faith in Jesus that saves you. His life for your life and uh, his death for your death. You cannot save yourselves. A lot of us have grown up thinking if we just apologize to God, and do a little work and be better, that that's Christianity. It is not. Man, when you turn to Christ, you're born of the Holy Spirit, and that is, that's everything. It's everything to understand the gospel. That was my testimony. You talked to me all the way. I mean, I grew up in church, was always in church. I knew the Bible really well. And you talked to me, girl, I was like, you Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been baptized. Uh, yes, Christian. I said the prayer, the sinner's prayer, 800 bajillion times. Like, God, I was real bad again this week. Uh, you know, I'll be, I, I promise this week, if you just kind of wipe my slate clean, I'll be better. The problem was the week happened, and uh, same scenario, Right. That is self-helpism. That's self-righteousness. I can't save myself. It wasn't until college that I understand grace in the person of Jesus Christ. To see, it wasn't, God, give me a second chance. God loves me not because of me being better. He loves me despite of me because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's Christianity. I mean, most of our baptism stories up here are that. I thought I understood Christianity, but I had no idea about Jesus the saving faith of Jesus. I mean, can't tell me times we've done no perfect people and so many people are like, you know, I never understood that Jesus is my perfection. I was like, well, you're not a Christian. Right? You're, you can't be a Christian understanding that Jesus Christ is your righteousness, that you bring nothing. That is Christianity. Nothing to the cross I bring, only to the cross I cling, right? So this is converting the converted. That's many of you and your proclivity is to go back to self-helpism. That I'm gonna clean myself up. That's the opposite of Christianity. Right, we go unto Christ, and He does the cleaning up by His His work. Now, now there's a a stubborn people uh, that's in this in, in Ephesus, and these are kind of like the unchurched. And it says this 
uh, in, or I mean, I'm sorry, the D church in eight through 10, it says, and he, he entered the synagogue. So that's the Jewish place of worship. And for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So he's going in to with the Jewish people and he's like, hey, you think you know about the Bible? You think you know about God? You're missing it. Jesus is God. The whole point of the Bible is, is Jesus. Uh, verse nine, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way uh, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with, with him, reasoning daily in the hall of uh, Tyrannaeus. And they continued for two years so that Listen, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. So um, the, the de-churched, these stubborn people, they, they think, I've talked to a lot of people, like, oh, I know what the Bible's about. And it's funny, like, have you read it? And like, no, I don't, I don't read it. Uh, I was like, well, you probably don't know what it's about. Uh, and, or a lot of people's like, oh, I've tried Christianity. Uh, and, and, and you're like, well, what is it about? And they're like, well, you know, being good, church stuff. I was like, no, you don't know what it's about. It's about Jesus. Right? A lot of people say they've tried Christianity, but they haven't tried Christ, so therefore they haven't tried Christianity. A lot of people have a stubborn heart towards God in Christ. Know why? Because they're ignorant of the entire Bible is about Jesus. They've seen something else presented, but clearly he's saying, I can go anywhere in the text. And you got to think about Paul. He knew the Bible really was. Like, you want to go here? Jesus. You want to go here? Jesus. That's what he's doing with them all the time. They start to get stubborn and angry, right? Because they started to see things a little bit differently, and it was frustrating uh, to them. Verse 10 what I love is we can't, we can't convert everyone, but listen what we can do. It says, uh, all the residents in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. We can't proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all of our community. I mean, what a beautiful thing to testify ourselves to who he is for us, to, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our schools, to our, our government. I mean, this is our, that all had the opportunity to understand clearly what the gospel of Jesus Christ is in Christ and subjectively how that, how that changed you. Can you do that? Can you say, man, this is how the gospel, how Jesus saved me from a sinner to a saint. This is powerful. And this is our, like, I'm not just the preacher of the gospel. You are called to be heralds of the gospel of Jesus Christ to what uh, all people. Now, this kind of gets into that storytelling, what's so important. And we're trying, what's what I'm trying to do here. That's what we're trying to do more. If you see our baptisms, we have people share their testimony. Here's my sin. Here's my background. Here's how I found faith in Christ. Sinner to a saint. That's all we're doing, right? If you see our storyboards out there, we're trying to store you to share your testimonies uh, because it's super important. It's powerful. That's what we're doing in social media. But here's the context of why. When you do this well, when you confess your sins to God, one, that's how you become a Christian, confess, you're justifying Jesus Christ, but when you confess your sins to one another, it says in James 5 that you're healed. That's powerful. Why? Because the penalty of sin has been what? Taken by Jesus, Jesus Christ. He has bore our, 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 our penalty of death. So there's no more commendation of Jesus Christ, and we profess Christ. We're living in our new identity, that I'm forgiven, that I'm redeemed, that I'm, I'm, I'm not the same person I used to be, uh, and and that, that, that's powerful. And as that happens, the unchurched, the people that never grew up, have no background, will start to ask questions like, why are you sharing me your sins? Why are you pointing to Jesus? Why are you, why are you, why are you acting as a new creation? This is different. When that happens, they'll come magnify the Lord with you. Uh, 18 and 19, it says this. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. You want to know if someone's really a Christian? Can you... If you confess your sins to God, and because you can't 
become a Christian without confessing your sins of God and turning to Jesus Christ. It just can't happen. So I have a lot of confusion about some people's like, man, tell me how you're struggling. I'm I'm not, you know, tell me some sins in your past. I was like, I'm I'm nervous for you, right? No more condemnation to Jesus Christ. We confess our sins. Penalty's been paid in full. I'm walking in a new identity, which is Jesus Christ. When that's modeled, people come confessing their sins because they want to be forgiven. They want to be redeemed. They want to have a new identity. This is what's happening. They're confessing and divulging their practice, and the number of those who practice magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. So these people that are totally unchurched see a new community confessing sins, walking in the identity of Jesus Christ, and people who don't know God saying, man, I want to be forgiven. I want to be changed. And they start doing the same thing, finding salvation. Verse 17, as we share our stories, listen, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and listen, and fear all fell upon them all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was being extolled, being magnified. As you confess your sins and profess Christ, you're you're inviting people to come magnify the Lord with you. But if you're not confessing your sins and turning to Christ, you're not magnifying the Lord yourself. You're not drawing him into Christianity. You're drawing him something else. We magnify the Lord by confessing our sins, finding covering in Jesus Christ. Now, everyone has a story. You were either brought up in church, you thought you got it, you didn't get it. Some of you are just stubborn, you think you know everything, and you don't know the power of the salvation that comes in Jesus Christ. And some of you are just all kinds of living in licentiousness and there's forgiveness and hope uh, in Jesus Christ. But when you come, or let's go back, because I want us to be able to share our story uh, with this, our new identity. It says this uh, in Ephesians 1, 1. Paul, right, an apostle, he's a messenger of Jesus Christ. Listen, by the will of God, this is to me just, just ministered my heart the last couple of weeks. Paul says, I am this messenger of Jesus Christ by the will of God. By the will of God. Paul saying, by the will of God, I am who I am. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's so interesting. He writes a lot of the Bible. He could have been like, uh, you know what? Let's, let's leave out the saw part. Let's leave out where I killed everyone. Uh, that's not a good, that's not a good, re- no, he didn't. Well, he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's magnifying the Lord. By the will of God, man, Paul is Paul. Like he, he's, he's smarter than everyone in scripture on purpose, right? He was taught the Old Testament better than anyone. That way, as he became a Christian, he'd go into anyone's like just persuading people to Jesus. Why? Because he knew the Bible better than anyone. And now he has the Holy Spirit guiding them towards Christ. Um, he, u- he uses your past powerfully in the present. It's so important to understand this. By the will of God, you're exactly where, where you're at. He's that you the exact past that you've had to glorify Christ. That's my story. I mean, I didn't come to, I didn't come to Christ till college. So often it's like, God, it'd been nice if, you know, you, you spared me from a lot of things I did. And by the will of God, that's my story on purpose. Like your story is by the will of God. I mean, how much confidence can you walk in in that? That you, he has allowed you to have the past, the sin, the struggles, the, and you've now been redeemed, given the Holy Spirit, now to, to bring the gospel to bear to people like you. That's so important. See, I think a lot of times we go to, like, we go to church. You are the church. 
to go into the spheres of influence where I'm never going to go. And your story will be more powerful to the people that you're around than mine. Why? Because, man, you're a lot of times like the people that are around. So this is God's design by the will of God. Do you see your life that way? I mean, you should, you should share your story. If you're self-righteous, hoping in self, you should, share, you should share it. If you, man, are de-churched and gave on the faith and came to Christ, you should share it. If you came from a, you know, as the, a lot of the Ephesians church did, witchcraft, you should share it. Why? Because it magnifies the Lord. Share your t- testimony from a sinner to a saint. The last thing I'll, uh, I'll do is this, is close with this, is it says in 1B, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So again, he's speaking identity, saints, but be faithful, full of faith in Christ Jesus. Where's our hope? Faithful means they're full of faith in who? Christ. He's saying grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is really important. The role of a Christian, a saint, is what? To be full of faith, faithful to Christ Jesus. God has willed your story. So I need you to listen right here. Some of us have been taught a false gospel that God cares about like your best life right now. That is not the truth. Paul is writing where? From prison. If Paul didn't get his best life, you ain't either, right? He's not interested in your glory road. He's interested to glorify Christ. There's a difference. When you have full of faith in Jesus Christ, because listen, there is no condemnation for Jesus Christ. There is no penalty for sin. It's been fully, uh, Jesus Christ fully bore on the cross, but there is sufferings and trials training you in your new identity that you have to understand. Why? Because he's purposing your life to glorify Christ not yourself, by the will of God. Do you see that? Now, just to show, Paul's writing for prison. He's, he's training these uh, Ephesians church to do this, that, that we need to walk in, the, in, in, the, in this, the full of faith in Christ. Luke 22, verse 31 says this, just another way. Simon, says Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. So Jesus talked to Peter, he's like, hey, Satan's gonna have his way with you. And I'd be like, Jesus, no. Come on. I mean, I'm your boy. I've been following you for a while. I don't need to be sifted by like Satan. That sounds terrible. That's trials not, not going well. So sift you like wheat is interesting. So when you get a wheat head to, to, to make it good, to, to get out the substance that you want, um, you have to sift it. So what do you do when you sift it? You beat it. Right? So you beat the wheat, so you just hammer it, so you're loosening out all the chaff, and then wind will drive away all the things that you use, use uh, for no, no reason. And so the, the seed is the substance that, that w- is what you need. This is what's happening to you. When, when a trial, suffering comes in your life, what's happening? God's purposing that trial, what? It feels like you're being beaten up, right? But he's refining you to be more like Jesus, to showing you the worth of Jesus Christ. And then that wind will drive it away. He's, he's actually purifying or helping you hope in your new identity. Full of faith in Christ, not full of faith in the world, not full of faith in your health, not full of faith in your ser- full of Christ is the hope. So he's gonna allow you to fill those trials to be pressure cookers, to, to weed out the things that are simply chaff. It's distraction. Listen to verse 32. Uh, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So our faith is not gonna fail when those trials and dark nights of the soul come, but you'll be strengthened. Now listen, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. The comfort that you receive in the promise of Christ, what happens? You bring that comfort to others. See, there's purpose in it. 
people need to hear your sufferings and hear your sins and hear your trials to magnify the Lord that Jesus is enough. He is our security. He is our foundation. He's our eternal hope. And listen, and when you suffer, God comes and shares himself with you. He doesn't abandon you. Like he, he, his presence, he never leave you nor forsake you. He, his presence is with you and Jesus chose to suffer for you. And when you actually experiencing suffering, God comes and shares Christ's heart with you. See, and this is what Jesus only went through for you. He expands your understanding of his great love for you that he would give down his life for you. He was a suffering servant. This is what he did for you. And so he grows that, that grace into your heart. And therefore what? You start to give that grace to others. This is training us in our new identity, immersing us. Not only that we are, that we are saints, but man, he has a purpose in our life and that, that he's going to purpose our trials uh, to share, share his testimony. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us see Christ more rightly, that we confess our sins, that we would consider Christ in all our situations. God, as Paul writes the Ephesians church, that we be spiritually formed by the spirit of God in Christ. We're not full of faith in the world, we're full of faith in Jesus. We're forgiven, redeemed, beloved. We have a future, eternal glory, resurrection, your presence, God. Those are the promises of Christ. I pray the Spirit of God would form that in us. I just pray verse 17 over us that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. God, that we'd see more rightly this morning. And if we're going through a time of trial that we see its purpose, that our faith will not fail, that we'll be strengthened with the grace that you have for us and will be used for others. God, I pray that we not be ashamed of the gospel. We confess our sins to you, knowing that we're forgiven. We confess our sins to one another so we'd be healed. And then we would magnify the Lord in sharing, man, this is my story. So that people could experience the beauty and life of Jesus Christ. I ask that in his name. Amen.